Welcome everybody to another episode of the Vinyar Nordic podcast. My name is Jun. The Vinyar Nordic podcast is the best way to stay up to date with the latest news and inspiring stories relating to how God is at work in the Vinyar Nordic community. And today is a special episode and it's a privilege to have Chuck and Taryn Freeland from Aberdeen, Scotland with me in the podcast. And I'm also very happy that I didn't need to do this recording through Zoom as I have done with the other interviews. We actually got to record this live together in Copenhagen during Vineyard Nordic Leaders Summit in March 2022. Even though the numbers of people in churches in the Western world has gone down on average, I still think that the Lord is moving and is poised to move. And so it's incredibly important for all of us that we try to perceive what it is that God's doing. And I think we could, coming out of this whole crazy season that we've been in, I think we could be in a place where we could be seeing literally millions of people swept up into the kingdom if the whole church will get on board with trying to participate in what he's doing. Chuck and Tyrin are the lead pastors of Catalyst Vineyard Church in Aberdeen, as well as the Vineyard Regional Leaders for Scotland. Together they have three kids and they love long walks on the beach with their dog. In this episode they share their own life stories, what has shaped them as individuals, as a couple and as church leaders. They also share what's on their hearts for us in the Vineyard Nordic community. Let's go! Welcome everyone again to this 13th episode of the Vineyard Nordic podcast and today I'm very happy to do a live recording finally after this all these Zoom talks with people all around the Nordic countries and today we're at Vineyard Nordic Summit conference in Copenhagen and we have Chuck and Taryn Freeland our guest speakers from Scotland here and why I thought, why not invite them to the podcast and speak into our Nordic community here? So please, very welcome. Chuck thank and you. Terry. Oh, thank you. It's great it's good to, to be, be with here. You. And thank goodness it's not on Zoom. We've all had enough <laughs> oh, Zoom calls, we haven't really we? Have. Yeah, it's so good to meet each other, peop- uh, each other in, in person again. So good. So yeah. good. We're just relieved, aren't we? We're just <laughs> relieved. If, if we never have to do another Zoom call, that would be fine by me. Yeah. How, how has it been for you? Oh, man. How has it been? It has been really quite difficult at times, but also we've seen the Lord's kindness and we've seen him move in great ways as well during this time. So it's been a mixed bag, I Mm. think it's fair to say, but we are feeling like we're coming out the other end. Uh, In Where we are in Scotland right now, we still have to wear masks and there are still quite a few restrictions, but we're hoping that we will be free of them soon. And we're really looking forward to being able to worship without masks on. Yeah. So it's brilliant to be here. Yeah. It is really this the is. first time you do this? This is like kind of, freedom. Yeah. Yeah. This is, you know, this is like the land of the free. Yeah. So it we is. might never leave. That's good. You yeah. can stay on here. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, please uh, introduce yourself a little bit uh, shortly. Where, where you're from, from Scotland, you're pastoring the, the Catalyst Vineyard. Yeah, we are. We yeah. are, but we are. It turns out we are pastoring the Catholic <laughs> yeah. We need to remind ourselves of that. And so we've been in Scotland for 20 years. Neither of us is Scottish, Yeah. but we moved there 20 years ago and we love it. And our kids have got Scottish accents. And How we, is that? Yeah, we can mostly understand what they're saying. Yeah. And um, In fact, I was really, I when the Lord called us to Scotland, 
I, it suddenly clocked, it registered with me like our kids are going to grow up with Scottish accents and we won't have Scottish accents. And I had a moment where I was like, no one's going to know we're their parents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we haven't picked up any single shred of a Scottish accent. Huh? And so nevertheless, it works fine in Aberdeen. People from all over the world come to Aberdeen for the oil industry and different yeah. stuff like that. So we feel very at home. And uh, it's hard to imagine living anywhere else. Although Copenhagen does look nice. Particularly yeah. in the sunshine. Yeah. It's a good day today mm-hmm. compared to yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you were to describe yourself with three words, what would that be? If we start with you, Taryn. Oh, wow. Loud, passionate and creative. That's good. That That's is good. quite good, actually. That is good. I feel under pressure now. Um, I'm a thinker. Yeah. Um... Uh, rubbish at sport and that's too many words <laughs> yeah that's not a word uh, I- inadequate i'll just say oh, in- inadequate i'll just leave it at that oh that's awful and visionary I-, I i have to have something to live for yeah yeah so um out of your words or what you're sharing where's where you like complement each other the best would you say out of your yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. We, we um, you know, those personality tests you can do. Yeah. So like Myers Briggs. Do you know of Myers Briggs? Yeah. So we're almost opposite on Myers Briggs, and we're almost exactly the same on Strengths Finder. Okay. Which is another one, and so it's weird. So Taryn yeah. is highly organised, and very like, okay, let's just get this done. You know, and and she can't rest until all of her work's done. And I'm the precise opposite. I'm like, oh, we could do that tomorrow or the day after. So why would we even bother trying to start it today? But with Strengths Finders, it's all about we're very future future yeah. focused. Yeah. It's just always looking ahead. Yeah. We struggle to live in the real world. Yeah, our team, we drive our team mad sometimes because we'll be going after this thing and then we'll have done it and then we're on to the next yeah. thing. And Are you like, like the one, you're two steps ahead and they're like, oh, can we just make this other things work first? Yeah, or? yeah a little yes. bit. But yeah. also they're like, could we just celebrate what just happened? <laughs> so we've just had you know, potentially like Christmas services or something like that and everyone's like, oh, wasn't that so brilliant? And we're like, so let's just talk about next Christmas. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, no, 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 could we just focus on this Christmas first and just enjoy what yeah. we had, what, enjoy what happened, and then we'll think about next yeah. Christmas. It's like an entrepreneurial... Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, maybe slightly, yeah. 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 We, but I do also think that during COVID, it has forced us in a way to stay in the moment a bit more and just be thankful for what we have and the, each day and just being more present um, but at the same time, recognizing that we are visionary people, and during COVID, it was hard because we didn't know whether we were going to have a church at the end of it. We didn't know, like there, there was no sense of anything really, was there? In mm. the darkest moments, and so we both really struggled with that. Mm. So we're glad we do have a church, and we're glad that the Lord has given us some more vision. Yeah. So it's good. Mm. <laughs> Can you share, like, shortly about the church? Like, how is it? How does it look like? What are you doing as a church? Yeah. So our church is a multi-site church. So we have seven physical locations and one online site as well. And we that's been a journey that our church has been on for the last 10 years. So, so we ran out of space in our building that we own in the centre of Aberdeen. And we felt like God said, spread out instead of building up. And so 
it's been wild, hasn't it? It's been it really, really fun. So, been, yeah. so our church is a reasonable sized church for Scotland, but if you encounter our church, you encounter it in smaller chunks, and and it's a beautiful sense of community. So it's not this family main big meeting. It's more like spread out in smaller. Yeah, teams. right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So it just feels like family, and um, we love it, don't we? We love our church. We love our people, and the brilliant thing is that there's space for everyone to grow and to step into stuff you know if you've got a guitar under your bed then you're one of our worship leaders and if you've ever if you've ever thought oh i like children then you're involved in our children's ministry and it's just all hands to the pump everyone gets to play everyone gets involved and in that we all get to grow so it's been fantastic hasn't it it really has yeah I think somebody described it as like a a training church and I definitely think we've embraced that, you know, people that say, no, I can't do that thing, suddenly step into it and you just see the Lord just speaking to them and you see leadership rising in them and it's just... Oh, it's just so good to watch when people are stepping into something that you know God's called them into and suddenly say, maybe I am called to this thing. Maybe I am called to leadership. Maybe this is me. And so for Chuck and I and for a lot of our team, we're really, I guess, addicted to that and just wanting to see more and more people just follow the call of God on their lives and step into all that he has for them. And so raising leaders and releasing leaders is a big passion of ours yeah and as a church what what are your like could you say your thing like you say training leaders that might be the thing but is there something that you feel you're called to in locally where you are like some specific areas yeah i mean we are a church that is really has a huge heart for compassion and reaching the poor, the least, the lost. And also we're a church that are passionate about speaking good news and inviting people into the story of Jesus. And our heart is to want to give everyone within uh, the, the city and the surrounding area of Aberdeen and what we call the Shire an opportunity to say yes to Jesus or not, as the case may be, but they need to hear about Jesus. And so we're passionate about that as well. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. Mm. To go on, uh, I wanted to, before we go a little bit deeper into who you are and your life background, uh, I have some short questions that I want to ask you. Okay. Um, what, is, what is the worst job you have ever had? The worst job I ever had, I've had a series of terrible jobs, but the worst job I ever had was I used to phone, I used to work in a call center where we phoned people up and tried to pers- persuade them to buy windows. And I did that for about three years when I was still at school. So you sold it over phone? Yeah, so yeah. you phone people up and yeah. you say, uh, I just wonder, are you the homeowner? Yeah. And they'd say, yes, I'm the homeowner. Oh, that's good. Have you ever thought that when you're sitting near to the window, it's like really cold and a bit drafty? Wouldn't you like it to be the case that, you know, you could be sat in a really warm house and you could sit anywhere in the room without feeling the draft? Well, I've got really good news for you. And then you would say, how about if someone were to come around to your house tomorrow night and they could measure up your windows and they could give you a quote for new windows. And so I just used to do that. It sounds but, quite, uh, it sounds like you would have got quite many. I did do visits. quite well at it. Yeah? I did do quite well. So. But it introduced me to a phobia of using the phone. Yeah. That means that now I never touch the phone. No, he <laughs> makes me. Whenever the phone rings, it's like you answer. <laughs> yeah. like, no, you. A certain, in my mind, it's like there's a certain amount of pressure involved in using the phone yeah. now. So, yeah. I'm not, I'm not so how that. old were you when you were doing that? 
cool like cooling? 16, 17. Yeah. But it's a good school should to you be not, through. Should you <laughs> not have been studying? <laughs> yes, yeah, that would explain a lot about my exam <laughs> results, to be honest. Yeah. It would. <laughs> and you? <laughs> to be honest, I was reflecting and actually I think I can say every job I've done I've really enjoyed doing. I did... Even cleaning houses, I used to clean houses. And the thing you need to know about me is like one of the things I secretly the, like this to is, watch. This is an this admission, is this is a real, confession that you're going to... Like I'm bringing you into kind of like the most... The inner world the, of Taryn yeah. Freeland. I love watching YouTube speed cleaning videos. <laughs> <laughs> so even cleaning other people's houses, I was quite happy to do. Yeah. I quite enjoyed it. For the people it. listening, like the, the team here are like backing away from the room and just like <laughs> running away while they're still tired. They can't understand oh, it. Oh, that's good. That's something that... And if you were to choose three persons, dead or alive, that you would have a dinner with, together with, like you two, a dinner together with three people, who would those three oh, people yeah, be? Yeah, I'll, I'll choose one. Winston Churchill. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, John Wimber. Yeah. John. Oh, yeah, that's a, I wish I thought of that now. Oh, I don't know now. Some, maybe some kind of actor. Like, I I would love to you have want a rounded conversation, don't you? Yeah, I'd love to have dinner with Judy Dench. I absolutely love her. I think she's an amazing. Right actress. there you go. So Winston Churchill, John Wimber, Judy Dench. That was a good mix, though. <laughs> Can you set us up for that? Or yeah, I'm going to try to do. And what would you like to talk to them about? Well, you could talk about world affairs, couldn't you? Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, we we came into the vineyard and and into. Even when we were at Soul Survivor before that, John Wimber had already died. And so I feel like no no one in one sense has had more influence on my life who I've, you know, never met and who'd already died by the time I became a Christian, or more or less. So I'd love to just, I'd love to say that to him. Wouldn't that be cool to be able to say, hey, thank you so much for influencing my life in such a such an amazing yeah, way. And then, and then just ask loads of questions. Yeah, definitely questions, asking stories, just hearing how did you navigate Winston Churchill? How on earth did you navigate that time? Just learning from him, uh, just in terms of under crisis, how do you lead? How do you lead a nation? Yeah. So if going to a more serious question, then what is your definition of leadership? Yes. So I think my definition of leadership, and this is not something I've ever said before, but I think it's about making space for people. So, you know, like you could be a helper or a, somebody who is making something happen or dictating something or whatever, but a leader makes space for other people to do stuff. And so the, I think that's the greatest privilege of leadership in any environment, most of all in the church, isn't it? To create spaces where people can operate in with the gifts and the passions and the abilities that he's given them. And so it's about helping other people to steward what God is, the deposit that God has given them, I would say. That's a big part of leadership. I also think leadership is about taking people on a journey. So I, I've often said leadership is like the, the leader is the one holding the map. Mm. Everyone might think they know the way. And they might all have views on the direction that we're headed, but the leader is the one who's entrusted to say, "Come on, everyone, follow me. This is where we're this is where we're going." That's good, babe. It's really good. I I think as well. I'd also say that leadership is about calling out, seeing something in somebody, and calling it out of them, and then, like Chuck said, making space for them. Because so often, 
people don't see what you see in them, you know, what God sees in them. And ultimately, it's down to leadership so often to go, no, 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 but there's this in you. Come on and drawing it out and encouraging them to take those baby steps that then lead to bigger steps. Yeah, I think so good. I mean, so many times you think people know what they are gifted in or you think you know, uh, you think they know what they are called to or what yeah. giftings they have. But some, it's so often you need to say it. you, for myself, that's also, you know, when people point it out, you're like, okay, this is what I've been thinking about. Now more people say it. it's so crucial to be, to hear those words. So definitely. Yes. That's so yes. good. Yes. So to move on a little bit more about your background and your story, uh, like what we usually do in the podcast is that we uh, ask you to share some stories from your own life, happenings that have shaped who you are and led up to where you are today. Uh, and if you wanted to share some stories, it could be common, it could be from before you met. Please feel free, Taryn, if you want to yeah. go ahead. So when I was very young, I was diagnosed with a rare kidney disease called nephrotic syndrome. And so for a lot of my childhood, I was in and out of hospital. And one of the times in particular, um, my parents told me about afterwards was when I was on these particular steroids and they had stopped working for me. And basically the doctors came around and they said to my parents, there's nothing really we can do. We're going to have to send her to Great Ormond Street Hospital, which is a children's hospital in London that is for children with, I guess, acute illness. And we're going to trial her on a whole bunch of drugs, which is going to cause her to lose her hair, lose her teeth and have a thinning of the skin in order to save her life. Now, as you can imagine, as a parent hearing that, my parents were Christians and so they were utterly devastated. They, My mum came home that night and she ran up to her room and she just cried out to the Lord and she just begged him to intervene. And she did what everyone says you should never do. She grabbed the nearest Bible to her and she just opened it up and it was the King James Version and her eyes fell on Psalm 46 Uh, where it says, and it says this only in the King James Version, God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved, God will help her and that right early. The next morning, the doctors came round and they said to my parents, something miraculous has happened, she's now responding to the drugs again and we do not need to send her to Great Ormond Street and she does not need to have that treatment. And so for me, I've had stories like that told to me from an early age about how God over and over again in a supernatural way intervened in my life and so I grew up having experienced and knowing the power of God the healing power of God and so that has really shaped my life and so I am I'm someone that always believes that why would God not want to heal why would he now obviously I see time and time again where I've prayed for people and it's not quite the same as what I'd hoped for. But my experience has been one of the healing power and the supernatural um, power of the Spirit of God intervening in my life. And so that's what I've grown up with. So wow. that's one of my stories. That's really powerful stories. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so anything that comes after that is, is going to be a disappointment. Isn't no. It? No, no, no. <laughs> but it's so good just hearing those stories. And it's like you said, whatever comes after, even if it's things are not happening, you still have those moments where you can't 
say no to Jesus' existence. That's when you when I speak with people that don't believe. Of course, they ask, yeah, but why don't everyone get healed or whatever? But you still have like, yeah, but I have these moments that I can't explain with something else than Jesus. So Absolutely, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, for me, I became a Christian when I was 15. And I wasn't from a family that really went to church or knew Jesus. And so I was very excited to be a Christian, but also just trying to navigate what, how is this going to work in my life and how is it going to cut across my life? How is it going to change my behavior and all these kinds of things? And as like I said, I'm 15, so I'm a teenage boy. But I went to this summer camp and there were people there who really loved Jesus in a way that I hadn't seen before. Jesus was there. The the power of God was there and, and it was really amazing. And so I, I went from, I'm not really sure, I think I'm going to be okay, to I'm totally in. I'm in with both feet. And there was a particular talk where at the end of it, the guy said, and if you feel called to leadership in the church and, and you feel Jesus is, is giving you the gift of leadership, then we want you to come to the front and then we're, we're going to pray for you. And, and then suddenly I had this moment of like total doubt where I thought, oh, that would be so easy, wouldn't it? Like, to, I'm in this place, I'm getting carried away with the emotion of it all. Like, it's probably not a wise idea, I thought to myself as a 15-year-old boy. Like, it's probably not terribly wise to give your life to leadership on the base of one talk. So I said, no, Jesus, you're going to have to do much better than that. I'm not, and so I didn't move a muscle. I just stayed completely where I was, completely still. And I just, um, yeah, yeah, I just thought, I, I'm, I'm not, I need to be careful that I'm not carried away with the emotion of it all. So anyway, about two minutes later, the guy behind me who I'd never met before tapped me on the shoulder and he said, I don't know if this is right or not, but I just feel like the Lord might be saying that you nearly went up then, but then you changed your mind and you thought, no, God, you're going to have to do much better than that. And he just read my mail. He just he, like he, there was no way that he could have known. But but he he basically just recounted the previous five minutes of conversation between me and God that had been going on in my head to, to it's a scary detail. And then he said, and God is calling you to leadership. And so let me pray for you. And for me, when I look back at it now, I think, goodness, that, that guy, you know, he must've been so nervous. He really, you know, really not sure, but just thought I'd rather try it than not try it. And I'll just give it a, a go. And so he just tapped me on the shoulder and I could have said to him, no, I've no idea what you're talking about, but actually it was the most accurate prophetic word I've ever had. And for me, I think that's just shaped my desperation for the voice of God. I think ultimately as leaders or as Christians, all we want is to be led by Jesus, don't we? We just want to know what he wants us to do. We want to keep in step with what he's asking us to do. And for me, I think, goodness, if I could be in any way like that guy behind me, and just if I think it might be a thing to step in and just give it a try. And most of the time, I'm hideously mistaken. But it's still a thing for me. It's still a thing because I know how powerfully it shaped my own life. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. I, I can really see that. I mean, some what I like with those kind of moments as well is that how God uses other people. I mean, how he can comfort other people, like using him for you gives him also comfort that God can actually speak 
to him as well. I mean, it could be only you and you would go forward, but using other people as well. Yeah, I've absolutely. I've seen that in other like areas as well. Like when it comes to and uh, totally other thing, but generosity. Like one person needs something and the other pe- person have it, but instead of these people, this person feeling I should give to this person. It's like three steps before the last person gets. Like everyone receive. I should give this person this ma- amount of uh, money, and yes. you know, onwards. But in the end, it's like why don't just this person gives to this? But it's around like building faith and building like exactly. Yeah, yeah I love, love it too. It. Yeah, and some other story that you. Yeah. Okay. So as I was thinking about that, so when I was eighteen. I left Devon, where I grew up, which is kind of a little country place. And I moved to Watford, which is the outskirts of London. And I went to be part of Soul Survivor. And I had a job there. And one day the Lord spoke to me about setting up a pregnancy crisis centre. And I had never heard what that was. I had no idea. And I just kept ignoring it. The whole time, I don't know what it is. Anyway, it got louder and louder to the point where I, I said to somebody, have you ever heard of what this is? And they said, oh, yes, yes, I do. And you should go and go. There's somebody doing something in Southampton. You should go visit. Anyway, the the thing that inspired me and has really shaped me is after hearing the Lord, after investigating what that was, after knowing that's what the Lord was calling me to do, I went to the leadership of Source 5 Watford, Mike Pilavachi and and the team there, and I just explained, this is what I think the Lord is calling me to do. And they were just so incredibly releasing, so empowering. In fact, just said, that's amazing. Stand up in front of the whole church and just see who wants to get behind it. See who wants to be with you in this moment. And that really has shaped me again what Chuck was speaking about leadership makes space for other people and he could easily have said oh I'm not sure or let's just test it in a small way first but he just went big right from the word go and that has impacted my life massively that he would trust somebody who was just barely 18 or 19 to have a vision and then to just go, we as a church are getting behind you and we're backing you to the hill was incredible. And my hope is that I would be that kind of leader for other people because it shaped me so much that somebody would trust me and release me to do that and to back me the whole hill publicly was a big thing. I think so good what you're saying about what you're speaking about, and and I'm thinking like out of that perspective, what would you say to both like if there's a young person listening at that age, at that mo, at that like stage in life, where she she or he wants to do something, but also to leaders that are listening that are old and and ha- maybe have these people, what would you say to them around this, like how to free space, but also yeah. how to be bold as a young person to yeah. go. I think it's easy to think I'll wait, I'll sit on this thing when you're young and just thinking, oh, I'll just I'll just wait or I'll see if someone else comes up with the same thing and then I'll get behind them. But ultimately, if the Lord is speaking to you, then you have to be obedient in that. And you do have to take the risk of sharing that with your leaders. And I think for leaders, it is a moment to really not to set the bar too high because I think sometimes we're in danger of le- as leaders to set a really high bar that actually at the age we would have been for that young person to come, we would never have got over that bar. 
And so it's about keeping the bar reasonably low to enable loads of people to step into the call of God, even if their lives aren't quite what you would expect them to be or you'd hope for them to be. Actually, it's about walking alongside them and journeying with them, but not setting the bar unrealistically high for people. And so courage for that young person and courage for that leader, I would say. I think an organization that I've been part of many years ago with YWAM, I think what they are really good at is really releasing leadership to young people. I mean, everything comes with a bad side as well when doing that, (laughs) but it's so much good. And we need to be, as you say, brave to let people step in and try. Because if you never try, you will never see and learn. Uh, And rather instead be there and mentor them, be there, support them in the wrongdoings and and also the good. Yeah, I think the world is so easily puts a boxes people in or says you can't you shouldn't you're not able and the church should speak a different story the church is you can you are able god is with you so you should go for it and we're gonna we're gonna empower you to do that that's so good yeah i I don't know whether this is a moment but this is certainly people who've changed my life and i'm so thankful as a 15 year old kid coming to faith I only came to faith because Terry and Christine Miller, who lived close to my school, decided they took me under their wing. They picked me up from the school gate. They used to take me back to their house, give me dinner and tell me about Jesus. And they did it for like two years. Wow. And then one day I just phoned up and I said, oh, just so you know, when I got off the bus after school today, I went up to my bedroom and I gave my life to Jesus. And you could hear them weeping on the other end of the phone. And like they, in a sense, handed the baton on to Colin and Joe White. And they were my youth leaders in the church that I decided to join once I'd become a Christian. And again, I was around their house all the time and they poured their lives into me, not only to me, into like tens of other young people. Like every night they would have somebody different around for dinner. And like there was a rule where... I think there was one particular room. They closed the curtains. If they close the curtain on the room, then you're like, okay, we don't we don't knock on the door today. Yeah. But apart from that, it's like you know anyone's welcome. And uh, and then I, when I finished school and I knew that I was called to leadership, and I was just figuring out what came next, they said, why don't you come and live with us? And so I lived in their house. And again, I would wake up every morning, and I could hear Colin praying for all of the young people by name. Just every morning, he would just get a pray for all the young people by name. And I could go on, you know, Justin and Alison Thomas. Again, they they led the kind of youth group that was for a bit older age, like 18 plus kind of a thing in our church. And again, they just had people around their house the whole time, just loving us, mentoring us, helping us navigate difficulties. I knew that was called to leadership, but some things needed to be addressed before that would ever be a safe thing. And they did that so lovingly and so kindly. And so I, I know that I wouldn't be doing any of what I'm doing now without those people, just the power of that. And what always gets me is that so many of us who are in leadership now, we, we forget that most of us had that, you know, we all had someone investing in us. And yet when we put together the programs for churches and stuff like that, we forget that it's all about person on person, life on life, you know, just people doing life and investing in younger people and so on. 
we forget it and we try and we hope that a program will fix it but i think you know my own life is testimony to the reality of investment like you might say well colin was never in church leadership you know he worked in commercial property but he was a youth leader who loved me and so many other people so well and there are now i don't know what the exact number is more than 10 people in who are leading churches who were in that youth group and he'd never led a church so it's just the power of life on life investment is just a beautiful thing but isn't that also like because that's something that's i've been thinking a lot about last years like as you say often we put up like oh being a leader or doing church or reaching people it's about we have to do so much we have to structure things up but when it actually the stories you hear like your story my story is similar it's is the, the moments that transforms you is the moments where you have had one-on-one conversation with someone that deeply and honestly care about you, yes. invite you home. Or like I had a similar leader when I did my DTS in 19 years old and he's like, we could hang on his room every night. He bought chips, he bought all this and we just yeah. hang out. Yeah. And that was such a profound, like this is someone who believes in me. He takes me under his wing and some other people and he really loves us. And you know, that's a guy that I, barely talk to today but yeah. you know when you do it's like yesterday we met yeah and it's he's like an uncle you know yeah and yeah i think it's so important and it's important lesson for us to learn that like disciple people or getting people even it doesn't have to be teenagers or youth but whoever like our neighbors you can just do so much just by having dinner with each other yeah and that's something that's been so yeah. clear for me recent years that oh, i don't need to do all these other things i mean those are good as well but to really meet people and to really have this divine moments, what you say. Yes. It's really the one-on-ones. Yes, And exactly. it's so easy, like everyone, if I have a busy life and just make room for one dinner a week can make the difference for another person. Yeah. And we feel that's so small, but it's so big. It's powerful, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? It's the, yeah. the power of it. You know, and often the things that we think are going to make a big difference, we pour all of our energy to and they make almost no difference at all. Yeah. And then the things that we think are almost insignificant, like you say, like having dinner with someone or taking someone for lunch in your lunch hour or whatever, actually that can end up being the most significant thing you ever did in your life. I think it's about starting to be more intentional with the places and times we already have. Because we we think like, I do my life and then I do church. But like, how can I do church in my life? And so I can live a healthy life as well and not stress around too much. Yeah, yeah. And if there's anything we've learned through COVID... It's that all of the programs that we thought were really effective turned out not to be. And also with youth ministry, I mean, we don't have huge levels of involvement in youth ministry these days, but I can see how we all thought, oh, the young people will be okay because they're on the internet. You know, they know how to work Zoom. They, they, like they, and actually the young people, certainly in the UK, the youth groups have really struggled and the youth ministry has been really challenging because young people didn't want to do the online thing. And actually what's really made a difference is is exactly what i just said life on life just interpersonal friendships relationships different ages diversity it's like people who would never hang out together in any other context except for the local church those turned out to be the things that really make the difference in the long haul thank you so much really good stories and really good learnings i think out of this and and to move on a little bit like you're here this weekend to 
kind of share your heart for us. Uh, hopefully, we can inspire you to go back yeah. to your church and where you are in life. But is there any like things that you would like to share into our Nordic movement as we're now speaking here? I mean, we wouldn't be presumptuous enough to try and say anything too especially specific or deep, but I believe with all my heart that this is the greatest opportunity for the gospel that we've ever known. We, our whole world has been shaken. And, you know, even just one lockdown and one and one part of the pandemic would have been hard. But the pandemic went on and on and on with so many different waves of infection and all these kinds of things, which is really scary for people. And it's the kind of thing, like in... in in Aberdeen, I don't know what it's like elsewhere, but in Aberdeen, a big thing is what car are you going to drive? And yet suddenly, didn't matter what car you drove, because for three months or whatever it was, you weren't allowed to, it was illegal to drive your car, <laughs> yeah. basically, except to go shopping. And so it's almost like the foundations of our entire society were shaken and, and a big question mark ne put next to so many things in our lives. And then, of course, we now have this awful situation unfolding in Ukraine and all of that stuff, which, again, is like, who would have ever imagined what essentially looks like might become a third world war or, or whatever? And it's like, goodness, this is the, the enemy has his fingerprints all over this. And yet it's in, it's inconceivable to me that there wouldn't be a redemptive purpose. So the Lord, in his kindness, generosity, grace, wouldn't find a way to make use of all of those things to bless the church and to strengthen the church and to bring peace to the world. And, and so I think this is the greatest opportunity for the gospel we've ever known. I think um, even though the numbers of people in churches in the Western world has gone down largely uh, on average, I still think that the Lord is moving and is poised to move and so it's incredibly important for all of us that we try to perceive what it is that God's doing and to just search for the glimmers of light and glimmers of hope and search for the work of the spirit. And wherever we see people who are clearly shaken by world events and all these kinds of things, we're asking ourselves, Lord, how are you wanting to use me in this person's life? And I think we could coming out of this whole crazy season that we've been in I mean, God willing, there isn't something else to come after the, you know, all those other big events. But I think we could be in a place where we could be seeing literally millions of people swept up into the kingdom if the whole church will get on board with trying to participate in what he's doing. Yeah, and I guess to dovetail into that, I just keep getting the word courage. And I feel like the Lord, for the Nordic nations, I feel like he wants to the breath of God to breathe courage into his people, to speak the gospel boldly, to not be ashamed, to take risks, to say yes, to to partner with all that the Holy Spirit is doing. And just that word courage and the Lord's spirit breathing, like literally like mouth on mouth, his breath being breathed into each and every one of his people in these nations I just see and and 
life, life coming back to those parts of us that may be dry, may even feel dead right now because of all that we've been through, that he is in the business of restoring and healing. And even if you're feeling, you're listening to this and you're feeling completely broken and you're thinking, how could he use me? He will and he does. All he needs from you is yes. And just allow the spirit of God just to come and fill you with his courage and his hope and his spirit. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think it's an important thing to see now, like to to really see opportunities in the future. I think that's really what's on me. My heart like to really see what can we learn out of this and how can we step forward? How like someone shared that, you know, the business world, I mean, the world has transformed so many years in the future faster because of corona like the digitalization and everything but also someone said that like the church has kind of moved 10 years further on uh, than before just some people i talked to a guy here yesterday like he didn't know about their facebook account before corona and then when corona came he had to find out this password (laughs) as a password to know like oh i have to start somewhere and now churches are doing everything online and what is the future now like people are tired on this how do we move on like um, how do we find this new rhythm of doing church like we also say people in a way sick of the online thing yes but it's also opened up a lot of possibilities to reach new people like online services has really you know new people have found churches and that's amazing but at the other hand we need the one-on-ones even more now Mm -hmm. so how do we find this balance of doing church what is the church in the future yeah how should it look like well you tell us what does it look like (laughs) yeah i'm not sure but for me really what's been standing out is this i mean people are longing for relationships i think like deep relationships and i think those are found in the one-on-ones the two or twos or a dinner of six people or something like that and if we if that could be i dream of a church that is more about that and then we can put a little bit less effort on the on the gatherings which we should do them (laughs) i think it's good to have the gatherings you know worship and everything yeah but maybe don't put 90% 90% of our energy on that settings, maybe free those 90% for the everyday life with our neighbors, with our friends, and then we can put at, at, as much we need to just be able to gather right. in the bigger settings. That's yeah. something that's been on my heart, at yeah. least, to see how could that work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much. I think we're going to go for landing. Uh, I'm super excited for this talk and what we've been talking about. But if you were to design or write a billboard for the whole world to see, what would you either illustrate on the billboard or what would it say? Oh, my word. I think, yeah, that would be don't waste your life. You know, it's really easy to waste away your life. It's really easy to have a safe, magnolia, boring life. Magnolia is a colour of paint. It's a colour of paint. It's like a, yeah, it's a nothing colour. Yeah, Yeah. beige. That's really easy to do. But as Christians, God has not called us to have a beige life. He's called us to risk it all, to put all the chips on him, to have stories, to step out, stories of failure, stories that, you know, terrible failure, as well as stories of you came through, Lord. Thank you. That was amazing. I signed up. I said yes to Jesus because I want to adventure with him. And that is what 
I would want to put on a billboard somewhere. Yeah, sounds really good. <laughs> I'm going to be controversial. Yeah. Right. So in the UK, there was a bus campaign. So people put billboards onto buses and it was the British, something like the British Atheist Society or the British Secular Society or something like that. And they put on this bus uh, or all these buses all over London. And um, there is no God. So stop worrying and enjoy your life. And they, it went all over London and the Alpha courses in London that year were never busier because people thought, hang on a minute, there's no God. I'm going to worry about my life, yeah. you, you know, and um, people thought, oh, that's really made me think about that. I, I'm going to have to pursue. Are they right? Well, there were people in tears, weren't they, when they saw it and think yeah. about that. That was a boomer for them. Yeah, yeah exactly. It was a total <laughs> a lot of ma- money on the, bro- on yeah, the bro- exactly. wrong outcome. Yeah. So I think I would put that on a billboard. <laughs> yeah, that's good. There is no God, so stop worrying and enjoy your life. Capitalist vineyard. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you could put that on the Twitter if you like. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. No, I don't, I don't know whether I, I... I'd maybe put, there, there might be a God... You better have a look. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's good. You better find out. <laughs> I like the first one, though. Yeah, exactly. If that's the result, I would go for that one. Yeah, okay. Yeah, perfect. Okay, so to finalize, uh, out of what we've been talking and speaking about today, what would you hope would challenge and maybe or even inspire people to do in the future or coming time? I The more I think about it, the more I think my life was is utterly different from how it could have been because of people and so i would say if anyone you know obviously we've talked a load of nonsense on this podcast <laughs> no, no. Largely. Not, not you but but we have uh, <laughs> but i do think that to, for everyone listening to think strategically about how they use their time and to make sure that their lunch breaks and their evenings are spent loving people serving them encouraging them strengthening them there's it's an easy way to have an eternal impact that's good i totally agree with that i love that and also i probably would say just listen to the whisper of the holy spirit when you're doing your shopping when you're walking down the street when you're just in the everyday ordinary moments because that is when he wants it he wants to use us that's when he often speaks and that's when we see his power at work on the streets in the supermarket just when we're out and about and don't leave it to church on a Sunday or your small group or your connect group but just all the time what are you saying Lord and risking taking a risk thank you so much and thank you so much for taking your time today you're busy this weekend but it's been so good having you on the podcast thank you for having uh, us thank yeah. you and I'm looking forward for the coming time we still have on the conference and also i want to say to all the listeners that we're finally in irl in real life again and this summer we have the summer camp again happening and that's going to be nice so please sign up uh, for the summer camp and we're going to meet as a nordic family one more time or more times probably <laughs> in the future so yeah very good for today and uh, thank you so much bye. thank you bye thank you Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you want to follow the Vina Nordic movement and everything that is happening, you can go to Facebook and Instagram and follow us under Vineyard Nordic. You can also help us by subscribing to this podcast on the different podcast platforms. When doing that, you will also get an update every time we have a new episode out. So again, thank you and see you again next time. Bye bye.